Give me fuel, give me fire, give me that which I desire. Can I say something that I think is bullshit? You're a fool, would you? Yes, we sell out. He also told me he was on acid. Now you better wash that mic off. I was gonna fill it up with my own urine. Alcoholica. And I talked about digging a hole in a fucking dirt and smoking hash through the ground. Oh, I don't know, there's all kinds of shit. And shower filled with women. Set your ass down, Lara. Shoot a pair of woman's legs walking down the street. Eight women washing you down at once, you know? Come up here, Lars points to me. <laughs> And his skin is bubbling like on the Toxic Avenger. Boyfriends and dads looking for me. Ten minutes? Singing along, fucking along, doing the something the fuck along. Here we go! Hey Metallica fans, this is Doc Coyle from Bad Wolves. And you're listening to And Podcast for All. Now give me the keys, you fucking cocksucker motherfucker! Welcome back to And Podcast for All. I'm Shane Obershaw. And I'm Jeff Winslow. Season 7, Episode 11, Jeff. You know what that means. Go ahead, say it. I know it's coming. No, no, no. I'm talking about a fucking live gig. <laughs> You've seen this before, right? <laughs> a first on In Podcast for All, Season 7, Episode 11. I just got done eating a lean cuisine, and I'm downing a Minute Maid watermelon punch drink at midnight in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. That sounds like life on the road. That sounds like anytime we would go on tour and get done playing a show and it's man i'll tell you what when you get done playing a show dude exactly i was about to say those dinners are sometimes the best after a long day of traveling you play a good show get on the road whether we're driving whether we're in the bus whether we're getting on an airplane it doesn't matter it's like sometimes that gas station food you know i'm so hungry i could eat a sandwich from a gas station (laughs) (laughs) you just been dying to use that line i know you Oh, see, I've been waiting for the perfect time, and and that was it. Well, speaking of the road tonight, we are talking to a professional driver that drives uh, tour buses out of Nashville for almost every name you've ever heard. So we're going to talk about truck stops, the road, and everything with tour buses in the rock and roll world tonight. Excited to talk to this gentleman. Do you think Bucky's will get brought up? Bucky's can't be beat. I mean, what? There's 120 pumps, and they sell those nuggets. The- the the Bucky bites are Bucky yeah. nuggets. Yeah, or I think they're Bucky are, nuggets. Yeah, they're delicious. <laughs> it's been too long. We need to we need to go back down south. We we don't have a lot of those up here in Minnesota. Remember the first time I went to a Bucky's? We were north of Dallas, and I'm like, really, a hundred pumps, and they're all full. I couldn't believe it. And I've heard about them too, but then when you see it, it's it's like what I imagine people see in the Mall of America for the first time. That's how I felt when I saw Bucky's. I was like, oh. MG. We're talking a lot about driving tonight. I literally, 24 hours ago, was at the Minneapolis Hennepin County DMV. Oof, that's not good. Sitting there yesterday as I was getting more frustrated by the minute and wanting to choke people, mm-hmm. I thought, this is actually good material for the podcast. There's a reason I don't work for the goddamn DMV because, 
Man, it, there are a bunch of they're they're just not having a good day ever. But I mean, think about it. If you had if you had to work at the DMV and deal with like half of the people that live in Minneapolis, I mean, come on, you'd be a little cranky too. Yeah, but it's not. It it really wasn't Minneapolis. It's the people that the people they hire to work there is the fucking problem. No clue, huh? No. And if you listen to in podcast for all and work at a DMV, please write into in podcast for all at gmail dot com. We want you to come on the show because I have a lot of questions for you of why you do things a certain way, why you are so inefficient, why you are so slow with the computer, and why you're just straight up clueless at your job. It's probably because they're running them, them old Windows 95 operating system at the DMV. It's like so, it's like a tar center that still uses the green screen. I don't know. If Pizzle's listening, he knows what I'm talking about. I think you're <laughs> referring to the Westinghouse monitors. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It was like Oregon Trail for the short amount of time that I worked at <laughs> Guitar Center. It was It was interesting. Those screens were like, they only came in like orange or green. It was just green and black, and I, I think they called him the green screen. I, he'll have to correct me on it, but it's something like that. Pizzle did text us today about... Oh, the cardboard pizza. The cardboard pizza on Air Italy. Yes, he did. He's, yeah. He's, he doesn't miss a week, man. Hi, Pizzle. He, yeah, hi. I, oh, here's he, another you know, thing. I, <laughs> I saw Pizzle this week. There was a Pizzle sighting in Farmington, Minnesota. Oh, my goodness. A rare sighting. That's like seeing Bigfoot. Sam's the funny thing is... I saw Pizzle and Chris within an hour of each other at separate locations. How's that for an update? Yeah, when does that ever happen? You didn't come to see me. Well, you live up on the Canadian border compared to where I'm at in Minneapolis. Dude, I'm not even that far from the airport. 25 yeah, minutes. that's true. Anyway, I gotta get back to my DMV story. Oh, yeah. So picture me at the window with a Florida driver's license renewing <laughs> the registration on a Minnesota van and a Minnesota trailer. Ooh. Can you see the nightmare that's already underway before I even say hello to the lady behind the COVID plexiglass mm-hmm. window? Mm-hmm. They see, they're like, oh shit, this is one of them weird freaky deaky Florida people. We don't yep. like their kind up here. And she's like, how may I help you? It was like the lady from Planes, Trains, Planes, Trains and Automobiles going, welcome to Marathon. How may I help you? And you said, I just want my fucking registration <laughs> you can start by wiping that rosy dumbass smile off your rosy oh. fucking cheeks that's what i wanted to say <laughs> so to get tabs for the band van and the trailer took about 35 minutes explaining to her why i live in florida but these vehicles are registered in minnesota mm. and then she needed proof of insurance for the van to get your tabs which is kind of like the new law now yeah she's like what's the expiration date i said may 29th of this year and she goes you have to tell me the year i just can't assume i'm like wow uh 22 i'd be like easy and i looked at her like not that's what she said i'm like you've got to be kidding me grow up she told her like hey i'm not running bath salts in this fucking van take it easy i just can't assume i need the number i'm like 22 holy this wow we're in trouble as a nation as you left, you should have looked at it and said, see, this is why you need to leave Minnesota and go to Florida because you'll be a lot more relaxed. No, I don't want her to be my neighbor. She was worthless. Well, she wouldn't be your neighbor. She could be someone else's neighbor, though. No, I don't want to be associated with her. It was that bad of an experience. <laughs> Good thing you drive and teach for a private company and not the state. Well, there's a reason I decided not to do any kind of... Uh, Smart. Smart. 
Smart man. driving test because Smart man. then I would have to work at a fucking DMV and then I'd be one of them and I don't want to be one of them. We've talked about Pittsburgh. We've talked about my lean cuisine, the DMV. I saw Pizzle and Chris within an hour of each other. We have a show next week in Destin, Florida at Club I know. LA. We're going to Florida. What the hell, man? Like Actually, out of you... nowhere, just bam. Boom. Here we go. Actually, as you're listening to this, this coming Saturday, March 26th, Club LA, Destin, Florida. Jeff on stage with long hair and Shane on stage half naked. Yeah. So bring your asses on down to Florida. Fly on down see us. We'll come on out. We've already written the set list. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. I saw that set list. That was decent. Yeah. Because bread fans not at the top. You're you're in your happy place. Hey, someone's got to be happy. If it was on the top again, then I would have to miss half the song again. We're flying down to Florida. Maybe we should just get our guest on the air here, bring him in from the green room and say, dude, just come pick us up in that million dollar Prevo. Hey, we've been on a few Prevos before. I'd like to go back on one. It's been a while. Our guest tonight has driven quite a few Prevos. For the longest time, I always thought it was pronounced Prevost. Yeah, well, Mr. Dustin Gross, he he corrected us. <laughs> he, he got us up to speed once we got to the uh, tour bus level of touring. All I'm going to say is the way that dude parallel parked a tour bus with a trailer in downtown Dallas rush hour traffic, that was... That was legit. That was one of the craziest things I've ever seen. Right outside trees. (laughs) Three-point park, like, boom, in rush hour traffic with a full-size tour bus and trailer. I said, Dustin, how are you going to park this thing? It's rush hour, and you're, like, holding up 20 cars. Oh, I don't give a damn. I got to get you guys in the load in to... Yeah, you can't even see the trailer. We're like, you look out his mirrors. He's like, oh, I know where it is. I'm like, uh, the fuck you do? Like, you can't even see it. And sure enough, we drop the trailer. Boom, perfect. Oh, I don't give a damn. I got a parallel park this some bitch. Y'all can load in. <laughs> the guys that make tours go around by driving mm-hmm. 18-wheeler semis and tour buses are really the heroes of the road. So you ready to go to Nashville and talk to one tonight? Yeah, man, I miss Nashville. I haven't been there in a while. Anything to add before? I mean, I just blabbered all night about the DMV. Anything new with you this week? No, nothing, nothing really. Your snow's melting. The, the snow's melting. I had a lake in my backyard, and then my okay grass started to thaw and soak up some of the some of the water. So now we're good. It's the See? little things that that excite you, Minnesotans. Like I said, nothing's really happened this week. Episode 11, Season 7, 7-11, Nashville, Tennessee. Please welcome Jeremy Owsley. Hey, Jeremy. Hey, guys. Thanks for uh, for having me on. I appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. You email on podcastforall at gmail.com. Jeremy, you tell us your Metallica story. Anyone can come on the show, drive the discussion, choose the topics. And, and here we are talking to a real deal full-time tour bus driver. Thanks again, man. With quite yeah, man, the man. resume, may I add. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. I've I'm uh very lucky and blessed to be doing I'm in my twenty fourth year of entertainment driving and I'm forty five. So I've been Holy doing it cow. since I was twenty one, since I was legally old enough to. Um I had a little backdoor help to get in there. My father was a bus driver and he helped me train and get my CDL. Okay. And uh helped me get in with a with a bus company. So being so young, bus company insurance companies usually won't even pick you up until you know you're 25 years old or better but luckily i got in back door and i've been out there since i was 21 years old and that's awesome my first uh my first real established uh 
tour was uh, Reba McIntyre and Brooks and Dunn. That's Damn. legit. All, yeah, <laughs> all within my first year of driving that. And a year from that, I was on tour with Metallica. So how many people get into this job and get to drive for their favorite freaking band, you know, their first freaking year in the game, you know, doing that? That's crazy. I really feel very blessed. I really do. Well, we're going to get to the Metallica part, Jeremy. Um, what are you doing now? You, you driving for a company or are you an owner-operator? I am. Yeah, I, uh, I drive for a company uh, out of Nashville, Tennessee called Night Train Coach. Okay. Great company. Really proud to be there. We're one of the biggest cats out there. We we have a lot of coaches, a lot of uh, like high how many, end. How many uh, buses clients. are we talking about? Honestly, I don't even I don't even know the number. I I I, I would guess maybe somewhere around 140. And these are all like million dollar Prevo kind of buses. A lot of them are. Yeah, we we got a lot. We we have a company in Phoenix uh as well so a lot of most of it's based out of nashville but we do have uh, a lot of company in phoenix and i think we keep 40 or 45 or something out there out west in phoenix but uh, i'm just thinking yeah, right i really now, couldn't to give you an exact number i'm not even sure how many coaches we have i'm just thinking right now of 100 coaches going down the road at five dollars a gallon oh good lord it's gonna hurt the little bands this year it's oh. really bad right now and, I, and in 2008 when the recession you know hit hit real bad i was on tour with a band called 311 nice and i worked for those guys for seven years and we, we were in band. salt lake city and i put 900 dollars in one tank of fuel and we had five buses i was like wow so all the, this is so much money just 2008 you remember that was the year the fuel prices were mm-hmm. through the roof you know that, that was the last really time low. yeah that was the last time it was yeah this, it, this it's, crazy it's really bad so i feel really bad for the for the little guys, it, it's it's gonna hurt them. It's it's gonna be rough. So after you put nine hundred bucks in the Prevo in Salt Lake City, were you like, "All right, Chad Sexton and Peanut, we're partying tonight"? <laughs> uh, Chad didn't ride with me, but Peanut did. Peanut's my buddy. Nice, very cool, very cool. I, I just saw pictures. Chad's from a great guy too. I, I became really good friends with all those guys, and and fantastic band. Awesome yeah, they just band. had their three eleven day in Vegas. Yes, they did. They did just a couple of days ago. And, yes, and uh, remind yeah. me when we get into conversation. I have a a Bob Rock three eleven Metallica story that all loops back together. I'll have to share with you guys. That's awesome because the Bob Rock album that you know three eleven did there the was Uplifter, arguably by a lot of people, is not one of their better albums. I absolutely love that album. I think it's one of their best actually, and oh, I think man. I well, like thank it. Thank you for saying that. Because that I was like, my era. I like that it. was when I worked for the band. And, and oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, no, that was a great record. Uplifter and... came out in 2009. That's right. Yep. Yep. I loved it. In your email to us, Jeremy, you mentioned suck. <laughs> Why can't I fucking talk tonight? In your <laughs> email to us, Jeremy. Yeah, Pittsburgh. Larry Levine's town. That's what's wrong. I got, <laughs> I got Larry the designer on my mind and I can't talk straight. In your, I'm going to try this for a fourth time. I'm not even going to edit that out. It's just, it's, it, it is what it is. It is what it is, exactly. Life on the road. Let me slow down my brain a little bit here. In your email to us, Jeremy, you mentioned such acts as Kid Rock, Corn, Megadeth, Pink, 311, Disturbed, Marilyn Manson, Avenged Sevenfold, Rob Zombie, Loretta Lynn, Taylor Swift, ZZ Top, Hart, Nickelback, Tanya Tucker, Fish, Metallica, and many more. Out of all those bands... Let's take Metallica out of the equation. Out of all of those, what was your favorite? You know, uh, we just talked about 311, and and when people ask me that, that that's really my favorite, man. We we okay. had such a good thing going. 
those guys, I worked for them for seven years and I still have a great relationship with them. It was uh, a deal with our, our company and them. Uh, the reason I'm not there now, they had to move on to another company. It wasn't anything personal or anything. I still remain great friends with the band. And in fact, was actually uh, offered to work for them again a few months ago, but scheduling conflicts, I wasn't able to do it. But Very cool. Uh, but yeah, but they were great. Seven years I spent with those guys, became very close, like family. I still, every few weeks or so, still text, you know, some of the band members i'll hear from them and and stuff so very cool that's awesome yeah so they were they were definitely one of one of my faves a lot have been really good but they it felt like a family vibe you know i felt like you know these guys are my friends when i was on tour with them. i didn't feel like i was working for them it was like i could tell these guys anything you know we, that's awesome right. it just a very family vibe friend friendly vibe yeah so here's the million dollar question let's spin it the other way without throwing anyone under the bus no pun intended um, really <laughs> <laughs> uh, out of some of the acts you worked with, is, have there been any that have been, let's say for lack of better terms, a pain in the ass? Disrespectful. Yeah, there, there's, there's been a, been a couple of those too. Most, uh, I've had really mostly good experience with my artists, but there's a few that were really kind of a handful that I would really rather not work for again, unless I mm. absolutely had to. And I will say Marilyn Manson, <laughs> that guy is a handful. <laughs> Yeah. You know, he, he was really a nice guy to me. Yeah. But he he yeah, he could just go off and just be a spoiled rotten child. I mean I feel yeah, like I could see that. He's, he's been he's been he's been in the press a lot lately. There's a lot going on with him and that Evan Rachel Wood lady. Yeah, yeah, there is. And I'm not shocked by that news really. Uh I'm I'm not shocked well, at all by it. I was gonna say you spent a little bit of time with him. Yeah, I, and I didn't really see anything like that that I would call abusive, you know. Yeah. But um but yeah, very weird things happen with him and I I'm going to go ahead and just tell the story because I did tell it to another podcast, so I, I think it's okay to tell, but well, by all <laughs> means, open up, man. When I was driving Manson, we were leaving uh my first night actually I drove him a couple of days of rehearsals, but it was our first run of the tour. The Twins of Evil with Rob Zombie, Marilyn Manson. Our first oh, yep. show kicked off in Phoenix, Arizona, and we ran overnight to Vegas for our first run. So we Sounds got familiar. about halfway. Yeah, we got about halfway between Vegas and uh, Phoenix, and uh, Manson comes up front and opens the door, and uh, he goes, uh, "Hey, man, uh, can we pull over and stop? We got to get something out of the bay." And I was like, uh, "Yeah, sure, no problem." So I had a couple other of the, our buses behind us, our band bus and crew bus, and we're all talking on the radio. You know, when you so say open go, the door, kind of like the divider between the living room and where you drive. Exactly, yeah, okay. back there. And he had guests, he had friends. I didn't know any of them. I was on my second or third day with him. You know, gotcha. so I pull over the bus and I tell them we're pulling over. So I pull into a little gas station. It's like a, it's about maybe daylight. You know, just starting to be daylight. So I pull over and, and this little bitty Asian girl. You know, little bitty. Asian girl, she gets off the bus with me and she, I open up the bay and I was like, well, which bag is yours? What do you need? And we can't even see her bag. There's so many suitcases crammed in the bay. So I start pulling out suitcases to find a little bitty boutique bag is uh, back there. And she goes, that's it. That little blue bag. So I grabbed this bag. She pulls it out and opens it up. And then she grabs a vibrator out of it. And she goes, okay, <laughs> that's all I need. All right. <laughs> so, so then I'm like, <laughs> packing up this bay and we get back on the bus and the other guys are like what's going on why the hell did we stop and i'm just hollering around the cb and i'm like guys i'll tell you later when we get to the gig i'll 
I'll tell you what happened. <laughs> wow, so you Emergency had to pull, stop. We needed, had to pull we needed the whole a... convoy over just for a fucking vibrator. <laughs> and what's funnier is that he's the one that came up and asked you to, to pull over. Yeah, he asked me to stop for her, then, then she, she came up there. When you're talking about high-maintenance artists, kind of like Manson, Jeremy, what's give us maybe two or three examples of just over-the-top ridiculous requests that are impossible for you to, to make yeah. for them. Some of, and, and, and another thing, a lot of them nowadays make us sign these damn non-disclosure things. Yeah, the we, NDAs. We can't talk about it. But yeah. one, one that I... We don't have those on a podcast for all, so you have to tell us. Yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> it crosses out. It cancels out, right? Yeah, right absolutely. 50-50 exactly. <laughs> shot. But another guy that was kind of high maintenance, but he ended strong enough to where I, I didn't feel that bad about him was, was Dwight Yoakam. He, oh, he really? drove him. He was kind of high maintenance at first. Jeff's all bummed. <laughs> I am bummed because I, I love Dwight Yoakam in Sling Blade. I will fucking kill you if you talk to me again. Now all of you, get the fuck out now before I get too mad to turn back. Dude, you know what? A friend of mine once told me, he said, have you ever seen the movie Sling Blade? And I said, well, yeah, I have. And he goes, <laughs> he tells me, he goes, well, Dwight Yoakam wasn't acting. He really is an asshole. And, uh, wow. I mean, he I'd, does, I'd heard he that. does, he plays that role very, very convincingly. In he that movie. did. Yeah. And, and when I drove him, you know, he, he was a little high maintenance at first and, uh, but he, he got better. It, we ended pretty strong. I, I thought, it, I thought he was a really nice guy. His, um, that's cool. His little handler guy, you know, went to go grab the luggage cart and he sat there for about 15 minutes and we just talked just him and me, nobody else around and had a great conversation. I, I told you guys earlier, my dad was also, you know, a, a musician involved in country music and Dwight knows who he is and had met him. So Dwight and I was sitting there talking about my dad for a few. So then we kind of had a serious moment with him and uh, a little bit as of Dwight got off there. the bus and I was dropping him off in Minneapolis at the W Hotel. Imagine nice. that. And he, yeah, and he's at the side entrance, of course. Side entrance. Yep. Yep. But he told me as I left, he goes, Man, you've been up all day and running all day. He goes, Man, don't go get some rest, man. Don't drive home tonight. And I said, Oh, well, I ain't driving home tonight. But he he was very serious about me uh stopping and getting some rest because he knew we'd had a long day together. Well, that's nice. He was looking out for you. Exactly. So I, I don't really kinda I don't really want to, but he got I was given a shopping list to shop before I picked him up and the list wasn't brand specific, but when he came out to the bus and opened the fridge and looked at what all I bought, he just slammed the fridge door back and he goes, take me to whole foods. And he like oh, went and rebought everything I bought to kind of show me, you know, Hey, you did it wrong, but nobody gave me brands on my, you know, you should have looked list, at so You should have looked at it and said, whole foods. What kind of country artists are you? Yeah, exactly. So, we, so I picked him up in Minneapolis. We went to one of the Whole Foods somewhere up there well, around you guys. That, that's the problem is that you guys were in Minneapolis. Yeah, and then we went up to Walker, Minnesota. Have y'all ever heard of the Moon Dance Festival up there oh, in yeah. Walker, Minnesota? We've played in Walker. Yep. That's what I did with him. I went up to Walker to do that Moon Dance Festival or whatever that thing is up there, and and then uh, I brought him back to Minneapolis and dropped him off at the W there. It always surprises me, Jeremy, when when Jeff and I hear these stories. Jeff and I have, have spent our fair time in a in a Prevo going down the road. There, there's no person on the crew that's more important, and I'm not blowing smoke up your ass right now than than the bus driver, because one, without you, we you. don't get there. Yeah. Two, when you're laying in the back in a bunk, going 65, 70 miles an hour, you know, on an icy road between Chicago and Kalamazoo at three in the morning. 
being um, Jeff as a driving instructor, me as a pilot, knowing, you know, this is the most dangerous part of the whole adventure is the interstate. Middle of the night, deer infested country, icy roads. I don't, I, I can't see how any guy gives you grief for what you do, especially when you're out on a long three, four, five week tour. I mean, you are the man that yeah. makes it happen. Yeah, thank you. I, I agree. Each and agree. every night. I, I, I went out of my way with our, uh, we had a driver out of Branson, Missouri for a 45-day tour. I went out of my way wow. every day to make sure he was taken care of, he was fed, he was watered, he needed whatever he had. And Literally. Jeff, if you want, if Jeff you can agree. To... I didn't care what, what it cost. If he needed it, we took care of him. Yeah, absolutely. That's because awesome. I mean, Very he cool. well, and he had to do some grueling drives on that tour as well. I mean, there was some really gnarly ones, and man, There's he no did easy it like drives. You guys are driving through the middle of the night, and they're all eight, nine, ten hour runs, aren't they? Pretty much nowadays, you know, we we're under strict DOT uh, supervision nowadays with our you know e logs yep. and and all that stuff. So it's uh sure, but in a way, that's kind of made it somewhat easier too. I don't have to drive sit in a driver's seat for. 14 or 15 yeah, hours anymore, you know, 10 hours and out. And then it seems like it now the runs shouldn't say they feel easy. Cause there's sometimes when still eight or nine hours on that wheel. I was going to say, like yeah, 18 hours. Yeah. Hours. Eight to yeah. 10 hours <laughs> is still, I mean, that can be. And I mean, even before we were at the point when we were using tour buses, I mean, you know, we, we have the van and we've done some, some crazy drives ourselves. So that's, that gives me even Insane. more respect because I couldn't imagine doing that in something that big. Mad props to you. Golf clap. Well, thank you. Thank big you guys. Big golf clap. <laughs> thank you guys for appreciating it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Can't clap, Jeff. I'm mobile tonight. Oh, yeah, mobile. So you just you, 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 you puff. All right, Jeremy, now the bread and butter. You're driving for just a few years, and then you get the opportunity to drive the M2K Tour around. Is that correct? That's, that's correct, yeah. Okay. I had planned myself in 1998 when that show was announced. I said, you know what? I think I'm going to go because that's really where I want to be for the millennium, be with Metallica. <laughs> oh, the Detroit show? Yeah, absolutely. I had yeah. kind of planned that in about October of uh, 98 when I when they first announced that, I think. And uh, I was like, man, this is just amazing. I've got to be there. And as uh, things went on uh, over time, that march of 1999 uh my dad and i were uh at the the bus company we worked for was based out of florida and he and i were down there just hanging out at the ranch where all these buses come from you know my dad was good friends with the owner and myself too so we all just hung out there what was the name of the company florida coach it's actually where randy Rhodes got killed in a plane crash Oh wow! That was this Damn. is exactly where I'm t- where I'm talking about wow, with Jerry okay. Calhoun's bus okay. ranch, and that's where I got my start. Was down there driving for those guys, and uh, we were there, and uh, this bus was coming in to get worked on, and uh, they're like, "Yeah, it's this new uh, up and coming uh, rap rocker guy named Kid Rock," and I was like, "Oh, I know him. I've seen his video on MTV, the the Bull God." Yeah. I am the bull guide guy. Yeah, I saw his video and I thought it was ridiculous. I go, is this guy a boxer or a rapper? He's <laughs> walking with that jacket and then he peels it off. And That's right. So I, I thought he was ridiculous the first time I ever saw the video for bull guide. And he came in and a, a good friend of ours, a guy named Rick Stott, was driving his bus and Kid Rock was on one bus pulling a trailer. And uh, 
some of the band guys get off the bus and we just kind of start chit-chatting with them and all and and uh bob gets off the bus kid rock's real name is bob for yep bobby those, those that don't know that and uh he is like He's a he's a cool cat, but my dad and I were just like, this guy is so damn cocky. He was just saying, oh, so many big things are coming my way, man. He's like, I'm playing 500 seaters now. In five weeks, they say my record's gonna be gold, and they say in another five weeks it's gonna be platinum. <laughs> and you're like, you know? yeah, whatever, kid. Exactly. You but look at what happened. That. But exactly. look at what happened. He called his shot like Babe Ruth. He pointed over the fence, and I'm going <laughs> platinum. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he, and yep. he did. But he uh, he was and you're like, dude, shut up! You're from Michigan. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So my dad and I were just like, man, this guy he's full of a lot of talk. But he, my dad and him were just chit chatting. Dad was telling us like, well, this is my son here, and I'm trying to get him out on the road. You know, he goes, I need a, a good two bus tour where I can run with him, and he can run on his own bus. He can handle his own bus, but where we can stay in radio range, and I can kind of do a little more training with him and get him out there. You know. And Bob was like, well, I'm fixing to add a second bus. And he was like, let's roll. Oh, shit. <laughs> so wow. He, and he awesome. said it that day. He, he just kind of offered me and my dad both jobs that day. And that's cool. It didn't happen that day. But I tell you what, a few weeks later, my dad and I, we were out there with him. And we were seeing uh, exactly uh, exactly as it went on. But I got to back up to that first day I met him. One of, the, one of our conversations came to. And, and I've told you guys this. My hero, my idol since I was 13 was Lars Ulrich. Right on. So the first uh, conversation, one of the first conversations I ever had with Bob, I was like, "Well, do you do you know uh, Lars Ulrich of Metallica? Have you ever?" And he was like, "Nah, man. Like you know, like that was his his thing." So we moved on from conversation. I thought, "Well, that's it." <laughs> well, we were out that summer, and uh, I saw Bob the first the start of one of our tours, and Bob said to me, he "Goes, hey man, I know you're a big Lars fan." He goes, "Dude, I met Lars in New York City in a nightclub." And we ended up like spending all night hanging out. I got his phone number and all, you know, I was like, no fucking way. Yeah. It's awesome like that he remembered out. that for you. <laughs> he did. Yes. And it gets even better, you know, uh, but he, he, he remembered that and he, he stored that in his head. It, it impressed me that, that he remembered me. And, um, so, you know, fast forward to, uh, December 28th, 1999, we're yep. kicking off the Metallica yep. kid rock tour. And we had a, you know, with Kid Rock, he was taken off. We opened for Limp Biscuit when we probably should have even been headlining over Limp Biscuit in 1999 because sure. it was just blowing up. We, I mean, Kid Rock was blowing them out. It was every night. It was like, wow, like the crowd's going nuts for Bob. And, yeah, you know, I think he's, but it, it was obvious he was going places in now, 1999. He, yeah. Now, were you just driving Bobby or do you have the whole band? Had the whole band and all, you know, Bob was on the band bus for a while. Then when he went to two buses and Bob kind of got his own, then we added more. And then every run, we added another bus, another crew bus, another crew bus. Well, what I'm getting another truck. What I'm getting at is you probably spent some quality time with Joe C. I was his last bus driver before he passed away. He rode with me. Oh man. Wow. Wow. And I got some good stories about Joey too. He, he was so great, man. I can only imagine. He, he, <laughs> the first night of the Metallica tour, when we kicked off in Miami, he's got a plate of pasta and he, he's holding it out. And he just says to me, he goes, Hey man, does that microwave work? And I was like, yeah, it works just fine. And I walked off and I didn't even think little Joey 
couldn't even reach the microwave. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So Jimmy Bones was like, "Yeah, he was hinting. He wanted you to put his. He wanted in some the help, man. <laughs> yeah. And he was such a sweet little guy, man. I liked him a lot. I, I got along with really good, and he was funny too. You know, I this story isn't mine. This comes from Jonathan Davis. Please, corn, but, sir. Please, can you can you can you put can my pasta in put for my me? And same thing with the vacuum. One one day he got up one morning and he thought the, the floor of the bus wasn't clean enough for him. So my vacuum went in the closet. He got the vacuum down and I heard him vacuuming while I was driving down the road. Then <laughs> when he was done, the vacuum was just laying by the closet. He couldn't lift it back up in. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. But like you said, like a, a, a sweet soul gone way too soon. He was. And Jonathan Davis told a, a really cool story about him. They all went to Shoney's together. Nice. And he, and he said, uh, the waitress comes up to Joey and thought he was a little kid. And she brought, she brought him crayons and a coloring book. <laughs> and Joey turned immediately to Jonathan Davis and he goes, you see the fucking bullshit I got to work with here. <laughs> <laughs> oh my oh, God. That's good. I'd pay but, money to see that. Oh man. Yeah. He, he was so good. A man. coloring book. Yeah, he, and he loved Joey. Loved wrestling. That was his thing in life. Wrestling was his main thing. He was yep. a huge wrestling fan. Yeah. And when he found out I was from Hendersonville, Tennessee, he's like, "Do you know who Jeff Jarrett is?" And he's like our pro wrestler, you know, from from right here in my hometown. Yep. I know who he is. I don't know him, but I do know who he is. But I definitely I know the Joey. Name. Joey was friends with him and knew who he was. But oh, I was like, man, I've never met that guy, but I know he's my hometown hero here, though. That's classic, Jeremy. So when did the news come that you're going to drive Bobby for the M2K with Metallica? We got word in the summer that we were, uh, cause Bob and Lars, man, they got really tight there. And, uh, the Lars, I think that's what got us invited on that tour was, I think Lars kind of pulled the strings to get Bob on there. And, and man, I was so excited about it. It was perfect timing. I saw a bunch of shows on that little mini tour. It was when Kid Rock exploded. That was that perfect timing. It was like exactly that month. You're, yeah, you're exactly right. And Metallica's so smart about that. They're always really good about that. And I think that's another reason why, other than the fact that they are Metallica, but another reason they've always stayed so relevant with every generation is because they always bring the up-and-coming artists. You know, They bring out Kid Rock. They bring out Limp Bizkit, Korn, System of a Down, Seven. That's like all these up-and-coming bands that obviously went on to be freaking huge bands, but they knew. like They had that vision. They could see like these guys or going somewhere and it kept them current with every generation even to Absolutely. today i mean they got greta van fleet and ice nine kills out with them right now it's it's such a smart move on their part good for them yeah, yeah they <laughs> seem to always been good yeah. at that we I mean, yeah. always had a good ear on current music and what was going on and i've yeah. i've never admitted this before jeff i don't know if i've even told you this my brother and i were at the three shows in a row that figured finished up that M2K tour at Target Center. Mm-hmm. Still to this day, you have to think about right around obviously M2K, Y2K, uh, Kid Rock on MTV with three videos at the time: Devil Without a Cause, Ball with the Ball, all that shit. Yeah. Still to this day, how that was timed and the age of Kid Rock and the energy of his band is still the best opener I've seen open up for Metallica in me seeing him for 25 years. I could see that. I've seen, you know, there's not a lot of footage, but definitely, you know, the footage that is available from that Mm -hmm. era in Kid Rock. And I mean, 
you can see why he exploded because he he mm-hmm. had that you know that rap vibe that a lot of the new kids were were vibing with. You got to think about time, ninety he ninety nine two thousand when that was just the most popular as it got. Exactly, exactly, and but yet he still brought a fucking great show. Yep, you know he was intense, a lot of energy. Yeah, no, his he did production as an opener on that tour was over the top too. How many openers are allowed to use pyro? Yeah, right. and he had a, the pyro waterfall for that opening for Bob with a Bob. Exactly, Jeremy. Yeah. That's exactly what I'm talking about. He had the You're whole exactly American right. flag in front of uh, the DJ's booth that lit up. He had. That's right. Yeah. He There's had, not uh, a lot of Metallica openers. Encore that... pyro. It was impressive. There's not a lot of metallic openers that get that. They they got it, what, Godsmack, Avenged Sevenfold. If you think about all the openers they had, that's not very many bands that have been allowed to. I mean, Godsmack had the full fucking St. Anger stage when they were doing the, you know. Two drum kits. The, yeah, the drum solo. Yeah, that's right. They I had saw the, that tour a couple times, too. Yeah. Now, Kid Rock wasn't my, isn't my favorite opener, but still, he was the best. Big difference. Who's your favorite? Yeah, he did handle the Metallica crowd really well. I watched the full show, the the Millennium Night in Detroit. Yeah, and he did for a Metallica crowd. He he, they're they're brutal, you know, but they he did it. He he handled them well. Yeah, but were sorry, you, I didn't mean to take away from your steam there. No, for, oh, no. <laughs> all good, man. You drive the show. Were you driving Kid Rock for that whole tour, or any of the Metallica? I drove guys? his band bus for okay. that okay. that tour. Yeah, nice. that's cool. You ever do you ever get sick of driving? Uh. Well, I mean, well, yeah, sometimes I do get sick when I'm like, uh, kind of wanting to get a a few more, you know, a little bit of home time. I'm not married. I don't have kids or nothing, but I do kind of like to be at home and see my doggies and and stuff. And then I'll get a word that I'm, you know, leaving tomorrow and it's like, oh, geez, man, I just wanted to be home for a few days. You know, I had to juggle my last dentist appointment four different times before I could finally get in there to get you know get them looked at it just sometimes things like that get old but then usually i get really cool gigs sometimes too so it's like oh uh i get to drive megadeth megadeth wants to go out for six weeks hell yeah you know sign me up right now you know hell yeah that's cool you sound like an airline pilot oh, i gotta cancel that <laughs> appointment i'll call you next month oh i gotta cancel that i'll call you in two months oh, i'll call you in four weeks <laughs> yeah. jeremy what's the longest tour you've done to date Longest as in length? Yeah, as far as like one for single one run, tour. yeah, and not be home. Uh, I think that was probably uh, also my first year of driving. I went out with the Ziggy Marley band, Ziggy Marley and the Melody Makers, and we went cool. out for I think ten weeks before we came back home. They kept extending and adding on, you know, to the that's tour. That's a haul. That's a lengthy ten week, tour. Yeah, that's a yeah. We we went from the first of July to the middle of September. I was like, wow, that's a yeah. That was a pretty long haul there. You got to be a pretty good mechanic, don't you, Jeremy? Uh, well, I'm definitely struggling in that department, but I, I do the best I can. <laughs> you know, I've learned a, a lot about you know these big old buses, the the things I've had to do and and had problems with. You know, I've had to definitely learn a lot about them, but. Uh, as far as a really good mechanic, no, I'm really not. No, but it's uh, usually a get on the phone when I have a breakdown or something, you know. And enough to get you to a truck stop or a repair shop, or no? Sometimes, and then sometimes you're like dead imagine. in the water right there on the road. You know, it just sometimes you got no AC going through the desert. <laughs> oh man, that makes a bunch of band members real unhappy real quick. Oh, yeah. Je- yeah. Jeremy, just yeah. ask Jeff how that was as we were going through Death Valley in May. 
Yeah, oh, literally. Wow. We went. We were out on tour, and our AC. We were went going out. from Vegas to Sacramento, I think. Me and my singer got into it a little bit. I, I threw a portable AC, portable air conditioner at him. Yeah. Our driver went to Home Depot and bought a portable home air conditioner to oh, put in the wow. middle of the front. Wow! Just anything at that time of the year. Just I'm plug sure. it yeah. in. It was. It was. Hey, you know what? He did everything he could to take care of us as well. Oh, it was great. Yeah, what what, yeah. what else are you gonna do? Show must yeah, go on. Exactly. I had to do the I had to do the opposite of that when I was with Avenged Sevenfold in winter of twenty eighteen. I had a, a rock or something flew up while I was driving down the road and it hit one of the windows in the front lounge and it spider webbed the outer glass, but it didn't break all the way through. But it made the front lounge so cold when I was driving at night. That I had to go buy a couple space heaters to keep up in the front room to there you <laughs> go. keep it warm. Same thing. Yeah. Went to Home Depot and stepped up. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you got to do it. Yeah. Fucking M Shadows and Johnny Christ think they need heat. <laughs> yeah. Get a fucking blanket. <laughs> yeah. Luckily, I had lighting and video crew. I didn't have any stars that tour. Okay. The band members would have said, we want another bus. Get us another window. <laughs> yeah. There you go. They probably got one that day, right? Yeah. They're probably on a private jet back in 2018 already. They were riding buses. I I didn't drive them, but they, I think we had two or three band buses and a couple of them were star buses. So I don't know who in that camp. I think, uh, the guy Sinister Gates, I think he gets a star coach. Okay. And I don't know, I guess lead singer. And then I guess the other guys have a band bus for the other guys. Fucking lead singers. I tell you (laughs) a lead singer and a lead (laughs) guitar player. And then the other guys get to share. (laughs) Sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. Me and Pizzle in the pickup. (laughs) I worked for corn in 2002, 2003, 2004. And every band member had a star coach. Wow. So I drove the, well, uh, at that time they were, every dude's got their own ride. That that's quite the bill. Yeah, I drove crew the first tour I did with them, and then I started driving David Silvera, the old drummer. The drummer, yep. yep. So yeah, so I just had him on the bus, and every once in a while he'd have a buddy or a friend ride, but most of the time it was just me and him on there. Jeremy, tell our listeners when you're talking about every guy has their own bus. What does a bus cost today from your company? I honestly I don't know figures or rates. A couple years ago, I know uh, star coaches were going for six hundred and fifty bucks a day. Right. And then you got to pay your driver and you got to pay the fuel to put in it. And you got to right. pay the tolls. You got to pay the parking. Uh, so it, I, I tell bands or anybody wanting to lease a bus, usually you need to budget about two grand a day to be on a Prevo tour bus doing yeah, two, it, you know, big two time. Two grand to, a day per bus. Yes, per bus. Yes. And some of these tours you've done have what, 15 buses? Yeah, some of them do. I did a couple of rap tours in the early 2000s where we had like 30-something, some odd buses where all <laughs> wow. these big rap tours. I was just asking because Jay-Z, they bring... Jay-Z and DMX. They all, yeah. they bring like freaking 30 artists. They bring the homies. Them. Yeah, they got to yeah. bring all their buddies, all the homies come and ride, you know? 30 buses at two grand a day. When you start from the bottom and then you work your way up there, you're bringing everybody with you. They just ain't forgetting where they came from, that's all. That's right. <laughs> Jeff, even when you said that, you sounded black. Uh, w- wow. <laughs> <laughs> even where they came from, homies. <laughs> hey, I'm just saying. Just saying. Didn't Joe Biden say, you're not voting for me, you're not black? <laughs> That's what he did say that. Yeah. Something like that. 
I don't know what the hell he's doing. Listen, you got to come see us when you come to New York, VP Biden. I a, will. It's a long way until November. We got more questions. You got more okay. questions. But I tell you, if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, and you ain't black. Oh, that's classic. But just think, 30 buses on a tour and they're each two grand a day. What accountant is looking at that spreadsheet going, oh, yeah, this is this is smart. Well, when you're Jay-Z and you're grossing how much on a tour, I mean, good Lord. Still, that's yeah, some Jay-Z serious. Jay-Z in 1999, yeah, he was, he was knocking it down pretty big. That's some yeah, serious, I mean, that's like peak. Yeah. That's some serious diesel fuel, though. Holy well, fuck, God. diesel fuel wasn't $92 a gallon then, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Speaking of Biden. <laughs> oh, dude. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's, yeah, we're fixing me seeing well, some stupid. Look at, look at California. I saw pictures that premium gas is over $7, so that's got to put diesel at, what, like, 9 Pro- It probably is for out there, yeah. I bet like, what right. the you fuck? You can't sustain that. Who, who could? Nobody could. Jay-Z. I'm trying to figure out how my work is going to handle all the fleet of vehicles they have with the increased gas prices i mean it used to cost you know 28 dollars to fill the tank and now it's over 40 for the same tank and that's a that's a tiny little tank but i mean that's a significant increase i think jeremy and elon musk are going to design a tesla prevo (laughs) well i mean yeah that would be awesome elon's talking to the venue hook up the shore power and you're good to go right jeremy yeah, that's isn't, right. That would be isn't, awesome. Isn't Elon and Tesla are they talking about like a cyber truck or something like that? They're gonna build a an all electric. I think you're right. I believe they have been. Yeah. Well, the cyber truck is the the pickup truck that's already coming out. Well, yeah, yeah. The yeah, but they got. They have like the, the semi eighteen wheeler. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think they were making like a a tractor all electric. That's when Jeremy goes. Um, you got to have a show between Minneapolis and Chicago. We can only make it to Madison on a charge. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. I know you don't want to play Madison, but we're going to play Madison. Yeah, don't run the coffee pot and the DVD player at the same time either. We <laughs> definitely ain't making it there. <laughs> no Xbox or Wi-Fi. We got to make it to Chicago. Yeah. You're, you're a trip of breaker I, in our engine. <laughs> yeah. I, but speaking of Elon Musk and Tesla, I first heard of them through uh, 311 Peanut. Oh, really? When I first started driving them, Peanut had one on order. The Tesla yep, Roadster. The Roadster. He got serial number 311. He got serial number 311. That's cool. And he had that thing on order for years. And, and he was telling me about ones. it. Yeah, showing me pictures, telling me about it. And he was like, oh, man, this is going to be. And I'd never even heard of a Tesla. He was the first guy I ever heard of Tesla from. That's pretty then. cool. I just saw those old Roadsters. I, I saw some online for sale. And they're going for like 130, 140 yeah, they're grand. Like collectors now. They're not cheap. Wow. Yeah, and those and those ones. I mean, if you think about it, at the time when they came out, you know, fairly impressive. But I mean, like compared to your Tesla, Shane. I mean, good lord, your car would demolish one of those roadsters. You know what I mean? Those originals only had like ninety miles of range. But that was crazy when they came out. Yeah, it was like what oh eight oh nine. Yeah, something around that timeline, Jeremy. Like... His he got his in oh nine, and uh, we had like a little two week break on the tour, and then we were going out for the whole summer. And he he went home and got it, and he told me I, I can't remember was it like two thousand miles he put on it because he was just so excited and drove it in that two weeks. He just I know the feeling running the hell out of it. Yeah, <laughs> Shane, how do you like your new car? Well, I put thirty two hundred miles on it in about fifteen days. <laughs> he he brought it out to a gig, and uh, when we played in Irvine there in in L A, and he drove me around the amphitheater there, and 
just I couldn't believe how quiet. It's like, wow, I've heard vacuum cleaners louder than this car. It's just so quiet. This yeah, is awesome. hard to get used to. You back out of the garage yeah. and everyone's like, Shane, is it on? I'm like, we're rolling, aren't we? Yeah, exactly. It's not neutral. All right, Jeremy, I have to ask you the most over-the-top rock star cliche thing you've ever seen go down on tour. Yeah, like give me a better definition. Like, what what do you want to hear? Like cliche, as uh, in like you know, cliches are usually you know, sex, rock- drugs, and rock and roll on a bus. Exactly. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, yeah. Okay, I do, I do have a cool thing that that comes. To mind. <laughs> I'm sure you have more than a few. <laughs> well, but there's only one that he can talk about. <laughs> what else is there to do on a bus as you go down the road for 14 hours? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Surprisingly, in this day and age, everybody's pretty well behaved. But there, there was one night of debauchery I, I did see that's always stuck with me. Okay, and it was I drove Danzig in two thousand two. <laughs> I was not expecting that answer on the E Lucifera tour. Mother, Pizzle was just talking about Danzig in the group yes, chat. <laughs> we were in Washington D.C., and the guys had just came off stage. They hadn't been off stage ten minutes. And uh, Dougie, who was Danzig's, you know, handler, assistant guy, he come up to me and he goes, hey, man, uh, Glenn's out there on the bus. He wants to know if you can get some music uh, going out there for him. I was like, yeah, sure. So I run out to the bus. And like I said, they hadn't been off stage just seven, eight, nine, maybe 10 minutes or so. So I walk in the bus, go up the stairs and come out into the front lounge. And Glenn's like pointing to the stereo. I was like, yeah, man, can you get some music? And I was like, yeah, sure. So I come walking in and as I'm walking in, I walk on into the rest of the front lounge. I look behind me, and there's two girls, 69 in each other, right here on the front couch of the bus. Oh, hello there. And I'm like, yes, yeah, that's exactly my thought. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so uh, I see what's going on here. Can we I, get some unskinny bop on the stereo? He should have yeah, been like so, like Jane, Silent Bob, and like, ladies, ladies, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> But but Joey, the drummer, was sitting over at the dinette booth there, but they wanted music, so this is the music I got for them. They wanted to hear Philip Anselmo's Super Joint Ritual record. Yes. So he had the CD out. I, I throw it in the CD player and crank it, and I get the we, – we dim the lights and had the neon dancing lights going on the bus. And I'm thinking, okay, I got the stage set. I need to get the hell out of here and let these guys do their thing. By the way, those new buses have amazing mirrors on the ceiling with the LED lights in the track. Yeah. And the strobes. Yes, some do. <laughs> yes. So, some do. So, so badass. Ready. So oh, I got man. him set up. The music's going. I'm ready to go. And I'm like, start walking to make my exit. And Danzig puts out his arm and like stops me. Puts his arm around my chest and goes, wait a minute. He goes, you got to watch this. <laughs> He wants me to see these girls, and then Joey is sitting at the dinette booth eating a bowl of Cheerios, just watching those girls get like this. <laughs> yes, Mr. Danzig, I think I will stay and watch. Yeah, oh darn! Just do until I? My eyes get, just until my eyes get get sore, then I'll leave. Yeah. Do I have to stay and watch? Darn, <laughs> yeah. dude, you should have put on Last Caress. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you got more stories like that, but we won't bother, oh, our, we won't bother our audience with that, such, that's, with yeah, such that's boring material. Ones, yeah, that's one of the ones that really always, that I actually walked in on to see and that really stuck with me was, was that one. Yeah. Hey, it sounds Which like you got to be, you really got to be a part of that one. I did. I got to see some things. I'll never forget that night. <laughs> Ten minutes after we come off stage, Jeff and I are loading out our own equipment and a little different than Danzig's after party. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, our after party. I don't, I don't our after party doesn't start until after everything's loaded up. Yeah, right. About three hours later. Going, How the hell did they get that going in ten minutes? They dancing. They must have known them from before or something. Yeah, some know. local girls they were familiar with. This is why I like playing festivals is because there's always so much crew around that we don't really have to do anything. Fly-in <laughs> dates. Oh, that's not my drum kit, and I'm done. Oh yeah. And that's, it seems like a lot of them this year are going to be flying dates. So I'm not bummed out about that. There you go. Right to the after party. Yeah, exactly. Jeremy, when'd you become a Metallica fan? All all this bus talk, we got to talk about you, you know, digging the four horsemen. Oh man, absolutely. I love it. I'm very passionate about it as you guys can tell, but it, it began for me as it probably did for you guys too. The was, I thought Metallica was a freaking skateboard company. I, w- I had the skateboard magazines when I was a kid, and I would see their board. Okay. But then I also... The Zorlac? The Zorlac, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I had a, a lot of a love of rock and roll when I was a kid, and I cut my teeth on the bands like Cinderella and Poison, Motley Crue, Bon Jovi, you know, all that stuff that was big at the time, and I'd be flipping through the rock and roll magazine. You'd always see a Metallica. It's like, oh, who are these guys? They're not... <laughs> And makeup, they look like scary. They're they're some really skateboarders. Rough. They're they're poor. Yeah. I was always seeing the skateboard, so I thought they were a skateboard company. Then you were looking through Rip Magazine, reading Lon's articles. Yeah, our friend Lon, friend at large. Yeah, absolutely. So it anyway, I, but I would uh, see one day on MTV the video for one, and it was for me absolutely life changing. I was like, holy crap, these guys rock. I go, this song is like so dark and scary. I like, oh, my parents can't know that I'm listening to this. They're going to think I'm a Satanist or something, you know? (laughs) But that video just stuck with you. It's so disturbing. You can't get it off your mind. You know, the first time I saw the one video, holy crap. Like stuff to give you nightmares, you know, but I. Well, you got to think the the one video came out in black and white when everyone else is watching Motley Crue, Poison, and, you know, Cherry Pie videos. It totally stuck out. It was different than what was going on. Mm-hmm. And man, and seeing the 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 shot from behind Lars's drum set, and you see the double kick, the yeah, that just to me, that. I was like, I want to do that. I want to get a drum set, and by God, I want to do that. Right. And I was there. so fascinated by the thought of someone having no arms and no legs. I mean, maybe that's kind of yeah crazy to think <laughs> about, but I mean, maybe I did get into serial killers at a young age, but. I'm just saying, as soon as I found out what that song was about, I wanted to know more about not only the movie, Dive but the in. band that made the the video, you know? Because I was like, man, well, you know, this is crazy. Who would write a song like that? <laughs> but it, yeah. what's crazy is it's such a dark song, but it's not really a heavy song until the end. You know, it's just kind of ballady sounding song, but it was so dark and heavy for being kind of ballady. You know what I mean? But that type of video was so ahead of its time that you you didn't you couldn't even comprehend what you were watching. That's yeah. true, and it was like like you said, everybody else like to what else was on MTV at the time. Motley and Bon Jovi. Every video was an arena with eighteen thousand yep. can lights and girls and you know craziness, and there was nothing black and white, let alone in an empty factory. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that video really stuck out, man, and. I got Injustice for All on cassette, and my Metallica fandom was born. And it's like I've all, I've compared it often, almost like a religion, because it's just sure you follow that, you live for that. I mean, the Metallica logo is so etched on my brain, I can find it on a 
car bumper sticker 100 feet away you know <laughs> like i just it just that's just you know what i you guys know what i'm talking about i, I know you guys know. so did you watch every show on that m2k tour i was at eight of the ten awesome, <laughs> there were dude. ten shows i was at eight of them awesome and uh minneapolis was a blast for that tour and uh well you probably had a laminate and credential where you're just off to the side yeah i, I got my laminate uh, oh you must have been in heaven Oh, totally, dude. I, I was like, wow, like, is this, I got my laminate and I went to the gig, uh, in the evening time. I'd already had the buses parked earlier in the day. Then I went back that night at about eight or so. And while I was on the interstate in my taxi going back to the gig, there's like police motorcade. looks like the president's in town or something. I see all these white vans of police. I was like, holy crap. I go, that must be the boys coming over. That must be the van, you know, coming in. Right. And uh, I got there and got to the gig and I went to the Kid Rock dressing room compound area, you know, our world back there. And and I was like thinking to myself, like, okay, how long am I going to be? I'm at a Metallica show. I'm on the tour working personnel with a laminate on. How long will it be before I have my first glimpse of a band member or specifically my first glimpse of Lars? Well, Anyone. here's the funniest <laughs> thing. I was there about five minutes. And there's some people out front of Kid Rock's dressing room, which was a trailer. Is this the Miami show? This was the Miami show at the okay. Orange Bowl. There's there's a trailer, and Scott Stapp was there. There Something went down on videotape that night that's became famous. That was probably <laughs> happening right at this exact moment. <laughs> but I'm sitting there wondering how far. Well, there's some people out and around, and I turn and look, and there's this guy walking between the bushes, a guy alone, but he's wearing a, a white T-shirt. And I kind of turn around and see him out of the corner of my eye and it's friggin Lars Ulrich he's got a bowl of like I think it was fruit salad and he's eating and walking and he's kind of coming through the bushes because he's going to Kid Rock's trailer dressing room but he doesn't want to deal with all these people standing around so he's oh sure through the bushes and I was like well there it is <laughs> there's Lars Ulrich right there he is there, that didn't know? take long and he walked right up the stairs into the room and I was like gosh I hope I get a chance to meet in this tour that would be so cool and um so they they go and play their show, and after the gig that night, we were all kind of gathered around. The limos are, you know, kind of pulling up, and everybody's getting ready to go. And Bob was there, Kid Rock. Bob was there, and he goes, "Jeremy, did you get a chance to say hi to Lars yet?" And I was like, "No, I hadn't." But uh, I was hoping, you know, I'd, I'd get what a was chance. that? <laughs> yeah, I was like, man, but I was hoping I'd get a chance, you know, to see him and say hi before, you know. And and Bob was like, "Hell, come on!" You know, gave Bob gave me the old, "Let's go." So Bob goes over to Lars's trailer and walks up the stairs, doesn't knock on the door, doesn't just twist the door knob, just come, goes walking in. We're here. And yeah, and I and I do too. I'm right there with him. I shut the door back. And Lars is in the corner in his robe, just came off stage, maybe. Oh, totally know. legit in the stage robe. <laughs> 20 minutes. Yeah, stage robe. Oh, that's cool. And, and Bob goes, Lars, you got to say hi to my boy Jeremy here. And Lars stands up to greet me. And I'm like, I had met him before a time or two, but I was like getting a real introduction. I was like this. Sure. I, I'm shaking. And I go up to him and shake his hand. I go, hey, uh, Jeremy Owsley from Nashville, Tennessee. And he, he shakes my hand. He goes, oh, hey, man, I'm Lars Ulrich from fucking uh, Copenhagen, Denmark. That's really nice to meet you, man. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> Copenhagen, so, Formal Denmark. introduction. Yeah. So, and, and Bob tells him this. Bob goes, the first day I met this kid, he asked me if I knew you. And I was like, wow. So he remembered that. So Lars was like, awesome, man. Well, Hope we get to you know fucking hang out and chat a little bit on this tour, you know? and uh, it just awesome. just made my day. Nico McBrain from Iron Maiden was there that night too. 
and uh, seeing Lars, Lars and Nico out by the limo. Then they got in their limos and took off and went wherever the hell they went for their after party or whatnot. But to there, their, there was to a, their jet. <laughs> yeah, the the good. I think they were going clubbing that night, but Nico and Lars. <laughs> I was going to say Nico yeah. and Lars. Jeff at a club. <laughs> yeah, Can one you guy imagine at that the bar other pull guy, up yeah. in the limo. Oh. Nico's super tall, Lars is short. <laughs> we got 6'6 six, six and 5'6. Six. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What up, ladies? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that had to be a hell of a tour, Jeremy. I, oh, I, I was on cloud nine the whole... Jeff and I are huge Seven Dust fans. Seven Dust was, it was a great opener. Kid Rock, like I was talking earlier in the Metallica, was like, it's too bad that tour was so short. That's what I'm saying. I get to tour with my favorite band in the world, and it's only ten shows. And it was mostly like in the Midwest, and it was it wasn't long, and it was over. We did two Florida dates, and then we yeah, then we shot up to Detroit, and and another one of my my cool stories is uh, I don't know if you guys ever saw my uh, original picture with Lars on my Instagram or something, but uh, I did, I did. That photo was taken at about one thirty in the morning, January first of the Millennium. Okay, in Detroit. In, yeah, in Kid Rock's dressing room, um, Lars, of course, was in there partying. And uh, I remember James Hetfield totally chewing Bob out because Bob didn't, uh, he flubbed a verse of Detroit Rock City. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he did. They had a, they had a, you remember the jam of Detroit Rock City? And, and Ted Nugent. Lars, yep. Yes. And, and uh, Bob was like, dude, you're Kid Rock and you don't know the words to Detroit Rock City? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, for real. We we had a, a cool hang, and uh, Lars was married to Skylar, and, and she was with him in Kid Rock's dressing room, and they were getting ready to leave, and Kid Rock's dad, Kid Rock, and me, and I think that might have even been all that was in the room at that time, as Lars was pretty much walking out, leaving, and I asked Bob, I said, hey, Bob, could you uh, maybe, you know, it doesn't have to be now, but, you know, somewhere be- before the end of the tour, man, I would love to get a picture with, with Lars. Sure, sure. And Bob was like, well, hell, let's do it right now. And I was like, well, okay. And then Bob was like, well, who's taking your picture? And I pull out of my pocket. I had a disposable Kodak, 35 millimeter. Oh, yeah. That was what I had back then. The ones know? that are like zip, 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 yep. zip. That's it, exactly. <laughs> bring, That's bring, all I had back then. Bring it to Walgreens to get it developed. Yeah. <laughs> Two days exactly later. what I did. <laughs> so I sit there and I wind up the and, and Bob was like, here, I'll take it. So he, he told Lars, he goes, Lars, you got to do a picture of my boy here. Lars like, all right. So Lars puts his arm around me, and uh, Bob snaps the picture. So Kid Rock actually took that picture. That's cool. And uh, this girl comes in the hallway to get Lars to sign something for her. So he signs it, Lars 99. And Kid Rock tells him, he's like, dude, it's not 99 anymore. And Lars is like, oh, shit. (laughs) And he circles zeros through the nines. He's like, oh, shit. And then he said, well, that was the first one I've done of the year. And then he turned to me and he goes, and you got the first picture. <laughs> so I was like, really? I have the first Lars Ulrich post-millennium uh, picture? That's first picture cool. of the millennium. That's Apparently cool. so. I, I, I guess that's me. I, I'm, I'm lucky to, to you be You got millennium guy. Lars. Yeah, it was, a, it was a fun night. That, that needs to be in Lars's history forget. book. First picture, Jeremy Owsley. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's probably plenty from 99 going on back. Yeah. <laughs> God, what a memorable tour to be on, Jimmy. That is, that is so cool. I'm happy, I'm, yeah. dude. It's 22 years later, and I'm happy for you right now because I oh man, that tour you. was so it special. Was. Yeah, 
And I did, just like you said, we had a, a day off in Milwaukee on that tour, and I went to, it wasn't a Walgreens, but I think it was like a Wolf camera or some store like that, and got them developed. The two-hour Got them blown photo. up. Yeah, I got them blown up. Two-hour photo. The, the last night of the photo. tour, Lars signed the print for me. So Very yeah, that, cool. Talk about the bowling story at the end of the tour. There was a night Metallica rented out Elsie's to go bowling. And it was all the seven dust, Kid Rock. Um, Jeff, you ever bowl at Elsie's? Oh, yeah. I've been to Elsie's a bunch of times. I grew up. Your old stomping grounds. Literally not far from Elsie's. I have videotapes I will send you. I had my I had a camcorder. Nice. So I, I have videotape. And I, I know, I think Kirk and Lars, or Kirk and James were on the bowling alley closest to the door, if I remember right. The, that lane. And then Newstead and the others. And Lars didn't bowl that night. I remember Lars was just kind of walking around the bowling alley, but he didn't bowl that night. So. Yeah, he's just having some drinks. Mm-hmm. Paying he's for, having fun. Paying for everything. Yeah, he was sitting around while I was probably germing the hell out of him or something. <laughs> but he did tell me a cool story on one of our hangs on that tour about... Were you bowling that night with the band? I wasn't bowling I either. I was just kind of hanging out in the room. I'm just still kind of soaking it in that I'm here in the same room with friggin' Metallica. Oh, just hanging out sure. with the boys. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, yeah that'd be I was a just lot to take freaking in. Freaking out from that. Yeah, but Lars told me a, a cool story that night when we were kind of chit chat, and he was talking about the Black Album tour when uh, the the drum kit that rose and would come up. You know, Snake he pit. told me it broke. The riser broke and then sunk down under the stage, and he told me he had to play the Four Horsemen completely under the stage one night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The floor jacks must have given out. Yeah, yeah, the, no, the carjacks. Yeah, he said it scared the hell out of him too, and he said he was down there, and I, I guess he held it together and didn't miss a beat. But he said, "Yeah," he goes, "But I played the four horsemen completely underground, underneath the yeah. stage. How cool is that?" Mm-hmm. The carjacks yeah. gave way, Jeff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it must have been. They must have been Harbor Freight. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> none of that Fleet Farm shit. Yeah. Yeah, I remember back in the, back in those days. I think that's on Metallica. Every tour that ended, they used to take the whole crew out for like a whole bowling, all you can drink party. Exactly. Before I did that tour with them, I would see the remember the Met on tour website. Absolutely, you would always see the pictures where they would go do things like that. Go I love bowling. that site. One one of the times I saw the guys here when they came to play Nashville was they took uh, their crew and they had some guests out on the road. They took everybody here in Nashville to. Shelby Bottoms Park to go practice soccer because they were going to have a soccer tournament or something on the road. Yeah, that was like the reload era. Yeah, I saw Lars and Jerry Cantrell that night coming back to the hotel. and Yeah, that would have been like 98-ish. Nine, yeah, the 98 summer tour. Yeah. I saw Jerry Cantrell and I was walking up to him out in front of the hotel to go shake his hand. And then all of a sudden, Lars came walking out behind him. I was like, whoop, sorry, Jerry Cantrell. I'm going for Lars. <laughs> I'll see you another day, Jerry. Don't worry about <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. You probably thought I was the rudest guy ever. Jeff, I forgot to tell you. Guess who I saw live the other night? And this will probably shock you. Who'd you see? Theory of a Dead Man. Oh, yeah. I think you sent me a picture. I might have. I was about 14 beers deep. I don't remember what I sent you. Yeah, the singer, Tyler. We we played with him in, uh, what was that? Colorado Grand at, Junction. Yeah, Loudwire Festival. Nice. Loudwire guys. Fest. Jeremy, ever driven Theory of a Dead Man? I have not, but I have driven through Grand Junction, Colorado. I broke down there one time. Uh oh. <laughs> yeah. Not much to see a, there up in uh, western Colorado. Yeah, I had a transmission go out there one time. Ooh, you don't fix that on the side of the road. That was a couple days. Yeah, that was 
a pretty involved repair. What happens if you have a band and you have a big breakdown? Do they get another bus to you like that next day or something? Well, it, it just depends. They Sometimes in the summertime, you know, the shops will be so backed up, they can't get a bus. They'll wow. have to sub one from another company if they can find one. That can't be cheap. Sometimes bands got to just fly. Sometimes bands got to just uh, jump in a van or do whatever they got to do to make the gig, you know. The show must go on. I know that's my least favorite thing of the job is having to go wake up a tour manager and go, well, here's the problem. Uh, y'all got to be at a gig in six hours and we ain't making it. So <laughs> you need to get up and get on your phone or get on your iPad or Better get that whatever. Visa You're going to be booking some flights. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> get, get that black card out. Here, come, here comes Jeff Winslow on the Toyota Corolla to rescue you. <laughs> hey, I got a brake pedal on my side. That's true. Speaking of theory of dead man, I was shocked they were not even in a prevole. Really? We're talking Try. like scaled down Winnebago. It's probably because gas is so expensive. It is, but it. Theory isn't struggling, and we went around back, and I'm like, of course there's going to be a bus back here by, down by the loading dock and a Winnebago. I was like, whoa, a little downgrade to, for this run. They're just trying to Well, conserve. it kind of makes you wonder, too, and like last summer in post-pandemic uh, times, the bands were having a hard time finding them. Buses were booked pretty solid last summer. I mean, it was just insane. It was like everybody was catching up from pandemic times. You know, everybody was touring last year. Ever had a, a customer, Jeremy, drive onto the airport, pull right up to their private jet, and off they go? Yeah, many, many times. I, I've i seen pictures of Prevos next to, like, Gulfstream jets, and I'm like, yeah. holy living large when you get off the Prevo and jump in the G5. That sounds like a nice day. <laughs> the band the band I work for now is is one of those bands that that does that. I'll I probably shouldn't put that out in main forum, but I'll tell you guys for at the end of the interview. Country <laughs> act? <laughs> no, no, not country. No. Jesus. But they're but yeah, they they fly from every city. They usually just use the buses. I take them to the gigs in the hotel and must be they rough. they fly private pretty much everywhere. Boy, it must be rough. You land in your private jet and you want a million dollar tour bus to drive five miles to the venue. Yeah, that's it. Jeez. And then I take them to a luxury high rise hotel where they sure go to bed. And then, but the the bus, they hardly ever mess with it. I mean, it they don't even a, sleep in it. Star coach with a bedroom for him and all, but he like almost never <laughs> even lays in the bed. I never even have to make up the bed. He, I mean, we but didn't some really of these artists rides the bus and we didn't sleep ahead, very much on our bus though either. If you think about it, we usually stayed at the hotel. I mean, we obviously used it for driving, but we usually didn't sleep on it. But imagine a bus that runs a thousand dollars a day just to take you just from the airport to the venue. Oh yeah, no, yeah, that'd be that'd be really nice. That's serious traveling. This this particular band that I work for now, the just money doesn't seem to be an object with them. They just I wish. Just, <laughs> yeah, yeah, one the only tribute to Metallica. I, yeah, and I, man, I get to stay in some <laughs> high-rise hotel, and it's so funny. I drive these guys to the signature flight support everywhere where they can get on their private planes. I'm like, I bet this is where Metallica flies into Atlanta. I bet this is where Metallica flies into Philly. You know, I'm like, in all the places they come in, and I go, I bet this is exactly where they come in. I bet Lars has stood right fucking here. You yeah, know? <laughs> exactly. It's either called Signature Millionaire or Atlantic Aviation. Yeah, Atlantic. We've done both of those. Atlantic and Signature. We do all the time. Yeah, those are yeah. the main the main breadwinner uh locations. Jeremy, after all these years, Metallica fan since the one video, hanging out with Lars. I mean, you've seen some serious behind the scenes. But I think I think Jeff agrees. We need to know what your song that should not be I knew, is. I knew this was coming. I was waiting too. 
<laughs> hey, very good. And you know what? When I was listening to your lawn friend interview, it it was kind of hitting me then. Well, I Lon have... didn't want to answer it. He acted like a politician and dodged the whole thing. He sure he did. did. <laughs> and he, he did dance around. But but I have a song I'm absolutely gonna gonna throw out there. And now Lars is gonna hear this, so I'll make it count. Yes, Lars will hear it, but I don't think he'll be too mad with me on this one. But do you guys remember a song from the Reload record called uh, Where the Wild Things Are? We yes. sure do. I I could do without that song. That surprises I mean, me. Okay. I mean, I, and I hate to throw the boys under the bus, but the Reload record I absolutely do love. I'm, you know, I, I've loved everything, uh, even St. Anger. Uh, mm-hmm. I like St. Anger. Um, I understand it probably the production and recording, you know, maybe could have been a, a little bit better, but, uh, I still think the songs were awesome. I still think the songs are great. Um, where the wild the, things are. I don't think we've heard that Jeff. I, yeah, I don't know. I, if we have, it's been maybe once, but yeah, same here. I mean, it's like, I could just do without this, but the, like attitude and fixer. I mean, those are freaking awesome songs, I think, but yeah. oh, hell yeah. Now that they finally played it live, I don't know if they've ever done that one live. Yeah, it's probably it's a throwaway track. <laughs> no, I'm talking about Fixer. Jeff, do you have an AFA? Uh no, I actually don't have one tonight. I kind of oh, with... you're you're letting us down. I've been Jeremy's letting... been waiting his whole life to vote. I know we. I've been letting <laughs> our listeners down lately because you know the last couple episodes we had we didn't we didn't do it ufc lawn friend but now when you're talking to a tour bus driver ask him a tour bus related and voting for all on the spot Uh, on the spot oh wow i have one you know what let's uh let's have you run this segment tonight a loves or a flying j oh i like this oh that's so good because man (laughs) i love them both or uh, no fuck no take loves out of it Bucky's. Well, there we go. Bucky's are awesome. Is Bucky's a truck stop though? Uh, well, some have <laughs> diesel pumps. I saw one at the one outside Birmingham, Alabama, the other day. It had a diesel pump. Okay, Bucky's or Flying J. Oh man, Bucky's are so good, and the food at Bucky's are is just a. I love. Oh, their Bucky's food. is like a fucking buffet. Jeff loves but, it. Yeah, exactly. But Flying J, Flying Turkey J boy. is wow. timeless, though. You got Bucky's yeah. is like the the. The modern hip, and then you got true, Flying J, which is like the tried and true. Love the Flying J, love the pilot, love the loves. Pilot, I just don't, yep. I try to avoid the TAs like the play. I don't do TAs. But. <laughs> yeah, that's where all the lot lizards are, right? Yeah, sometimes I do TA when we absolutely have to. But You're just yeah. trying to stop at one of those oasises when you drive through Illinois. <laughs> I've done those before, too. That's true. Yeah. I just love when I'm in there picking out food and candy and drinks and then the worst announcement comes on the pa shower number seven is now available shower number seven (laughs) it's like i just lost my appetite they're so loud sometimes too i've had guys trying to sleep out on the bus and they hear it out there while they're on the bus asleep (laughs) in their bunk they'll hear the road shower number 17 (laughs) your shower is now ready that was so perfect (laughs) that's exactly what it is it's like, I don't know what it is, but I always lose my appetite for snacks when I just picture a shower being used. Someone showering at the gas station? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm going to go take a shower at the convenience store. One of the funniest things was, was uh, Peanut from 311 told me one time, uh, 
we were fueling up and he, he went got up and went to the bathroom then he came back to the bus and he told me he said you know truck truckers and truck style you know truck life truck style life whatever you know you truckers he's like there's a, I went in there and he goes, there's a guy in the bathroom and he's brushing his teeth. And he's like, oh, yeah. about eight feet away from him, there's a guy in there taking a shit. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, I just don't get how you, how you guys live in these trucks. That's the truck stops. life, man. <laughs> so what's it yeah, going to be? Is it going to be the old Flying J or the Buckies? <laughs> the TA. <laughs> we got we got to get his answer here. Yeah, Buckies are so good, but they're. I would probably go with Flying J just for the fact that Bucky's aren't exactly everywhere. Okay. And they ain't exactly bus, big vehicle friendly. They kind of want more cars and smaller RVs. I was gonna, but I do love Bucky's. I have a ton of respect for Bucky's. Love them. I love Bucky's too, but I was going to pick Flying J just for the, the first reason you said because they're a lot more available. There's a lot more of them around. Absolutely. I can't wait to see this Instagram poll and voting for all. <laughs> This is great. I can't wait for this one. Polls open early Thursday morning, closing late Thursday night with results on Friday. The Flying J truck stop, shower number seven, versus Bucky's <laughs> Classic Nuggets. This is going to be one hell of a poll. Shane, you didn't Beaver pick. Nuggets. Yeah, Beaver Nuggets. That's what they're called. There you go, yeah, Jim. That's what they so are. they're so good. Yes, they are. They're amazing. <laughs> Shane, what are you going with? You got to vote, man. B- Bucky's... I will say Bucky's has these really nice bathrooms when you need to number two. The entire the entire stall is like a, a room. It's not like yes. that stall. You can't see people's feet. It's like you have your own room and you close the wooden door and it's nice and nice and private, right? Yeah, it's, it's not like right. when you have your toilet next to your shower in the loft. No, you, you don't want that. So the Bucky's bathrooms are great. <laughs> the food's great. But I, I have to go with Jeff. The, the convenience of when we've been on tour... A flying J never lets me down with nope. uh, junk food at two in the morning, warm food at four in the morning, and an array of every fucking kind of drink you've ever wanted in your life is at a flying J. Yes. Yeah. Yep. I'm, go- I think I'm going flying J. Yeah, flying J is great. Flying J Pilot are basically owned by the same company, you know, together under the same umbrella. And they're based here in Tennessee, where I'm from, Knoxville, Tennessee. There you go. Never thought we'd be rating truck stops on a podcast for all I love it. Yeah. I I love this discussion, man. Yeah, so we're giving Pilot Flying J a good commercial (laughs) on a podcast for all. Maybe they can sponsor us. Enough with this liquid death sparkling water. We need fucking Flying J truck stops. Did you you see what I tagged you in? The Steve-O liquid death water tattoo? Yes, I did. Intense. That is a great that's, That's a great ad. That's all I'm going to say. Steve-O, you mean the off-road tattoo, Steve-O? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Are you talking about that, Steve-O, Jackass? I forgot yes. about that, too. Yes. Off-road with the tattoo gun. Yep. Yeah, yeah. with Henry Rollins driving the Hummer. <laughs> yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah, remember that? Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I met Steve-O once in a nightclub here in Nashville. He, he's a cool cat. I like him. He seems really cool. Yeah, yeah he seems like uh, what you see is what you get. That's no act. Yeah, right. I told him I worked for the band 311 at that time. And he's like, dude, back when I did drugs, I used to do drugs with the lead singer of 311. <laughs> he's a lot drugs of drugs. Everyone. Yeah. This has been one hell of an episode. Jeremy, is there anything that you have not told us in an hour and 18 minutes of amazing behind the scenes wow. stories with so many acts? I can't even name them. 
Have we been on for that long? Wow. It's well, that it's long, passed yeah. so quickly because I have enjoyed it. You guys are cool cats. But I do have a, a very cool story I do want to share with y'all. This, this, is your, fact, this is your encore performance. I'll make it count. Yeah. Back <laughs> when I was a, a kid in high school, you guys are going to get a kick out of this. But my dad is, is a musician. He's a pedal steel guitar player. Oh, that's cool. And he's in the country music that's world. Cool. I've got to brag on my old man. He's, he's kind of a well-known one at it. He's in the Steel Guitar Hall of Fame. Oh wow! He used to play for Ernest Tubb and damn, you know a ton of these these old school country cats, right? So and that is not an easy that, instrument. Exactly, yeah. And he's been playing it fifty some odd year or more than fifty years now because Dad's seventy uh, three now. But anyway, with this story, you guys are gonna dig this. He uh, he, we found out in the mid nineties that James Hetfield bought a pedal steel guitar from one of my dad's friends. Really? So we were like, oh, yeah. So dad had kind of asked around. He's like, well, my kids, like, they love that band. You know, he's kind of like kind of hinted around or tried to find, you know, a way to get to him. And we never really had much, much luck. But we knew for a few years there that James, you know, had a pedal steel. James bought this pedal steel from someone in Nashville? Yeah. Yeah. He bought a pedal steel, a show, a showbud model. Okay. And uh, fast forward. And this is a couple of years. Fast forward to the load tour. Uh, April of 97, they came here to Nashville and when Metallica would come to town when I was a kid. And even to this day, when Metallica's in town, I'm just like, I'm checked out to lunch. It's just like vacation for me when Metallica's around. Oh, we know the feeling. So yeah, yeah. I know you guys of all people do, but anyway, I would go to the hotel. The band would always stay at when they were in town and just stake out, you know, just like (laughs) wait for a glimpse of somebody, you know? So I, I'm at their hotel and they had two days here. So I'm at the hotel and I didn't see them at all the first day. I don't think the band even came here. They, the crew came here and I talked to them. They said some of the band guys went to New York city for something. They were coming into Nashville, you know, day of show. So, uh, I went back and staked it out again, me and a good buddy of mine. And back then in the mid nineties, you know, no cell phones, we had pagers. Yep. Yep. So I had my pager and the next day my friend had to go to school. I was taking a hooky day because Metallic is in town. Absolutely. But my friend had to go to school and I forgot to get my beeper back from it. He took it with him to school. So, um, anyway, um, I go to back to the hotel, no sign of the band. So I said, well, screw it. It's showtime. I got to go to the gig. So I go to the gig. I watch the show. They, they smoke the house. I mean, straight up awesome show you know the the poor touring me um mm-hmm. cunning, cunning stunts. stunts if you've seen that dvd that dvd was taped like two weeks after nashville so almost same exact show you know set list was very similar and everything so anyway after the gig speaking of 7-eleven yeah after the gig i'm walking on the streets and i'm going around the back side of our arena and uh just to hope see if you know vans or buses or anybody moving and i happen to run into my mom and her friend who've been at the honky tonks in nashville <laughs> And my mom, she, she was kind of wasted, but she's running up to me like like she just won the lottery or something. Really? And, and she comes up to me and she goes, oh, my God. She goes, your dad has been hanging out with James Hetfield all afternoon. I was like, what? And Are you're you like, shitting me? Uh, my pager didn't go off. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. So that's what I'm thinking. I'm like, I don't know whether to believe. And I didn't talk to my dad, so I didn't know whether to believe this or not. But I was like, wow. She goes, yeah, he. They the band went to Gruen Guitar that afternoon before they came over to the venue. Jesus. And my dad was actually going downtown and he just was parking at Gruen Guitar in their back parking lot before you had to pay there. It used to be the best secret parking in all of Nashville. But dad got out and saw uh the Gruen guitar. He met somebody that he knew there that said, 
yeah, they got the guitar store. It's closed right now for uh, the band Metallica. They're in their like private shopping at Grand Guitar right now. And my dad was like, oh, wow, really? So dad had connections and people in town. So they were like, oh, yeah, hell, come on in. Yeah. <laughs> and so dad goes in and here's James Hetfield. Dad goes and strikes up conversation with him. They're looking at a steel guitar and talking steel guitar. And dad tells him, my son's a, a really big fan and all. And James is like, well, I'm, I'm going to do something. I'm going to get, I'll get something cool for him, you know? And you're like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, exactly. So I'm still not believing it. But after I saw my mom, I went to the back of the arena and about, uh, an hour or so after that or something, these two vans, two white unmarked vans come pulling up out of the arena. The one van takes off, keeps on driving. And one van stops. Doors fly open. Jason Newstead jumps out. There's about maybe six fans, you know, at the ramp at the top of the arena exit, you know? Sure. There's maybe six people. I mean, not a lot of people, but Jason, cool cat, man. He gets out and he's going to sign for them. Always, yep. And friggin' James Hetfield's come flying out of the van. And he's wearing his leather. Remember the Master of Puppets jacket that he had? That leather with the Slayer pin? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he's, he's wearing that friggin' jacket. But I go up to him and I said, James, and I shake his hand. He's very friendly. I go, James, I, I heard you met my dad today over at Gruen Guitar, and he just turned to me and he goes, is your dad Lynn Owsley? <laughs> I was like, I about, I thought I about pissed my pants. I was like, are you kidding me? Sure as shit. Yes, he like, is. James, not only did he meet my dad, he remembered him. That's super cool. It was so cool because then dad and I were together on that tour, and oh, uh, sure, Kid Rock sure. had my dad set up his still in the dressing room one night, and uh, James came up to watch my dad play on it, and Wow. I pulled my camcorder out real quick, so I got some. It's on my YouTube channel if you guys want to check it out. But I pulled out my camcorder. I got Please a few videos of my that, dad. Yes. My dad playing and showing James some. And James is telling him about his guitar too. And I was like, "Wow, this this is just this is cool." That's pretty cool that James has the steel guitar though. But your dad's the professional and really showing him how to play it. Yeah, exactly That's, right. That yeah, is James cool, man. Is, uh, yeah, James is a cool cat. We hung out with him a lot on that tour. You know. Uh, couple of really cool hangs and then uh the last time i personally saw james was at the basement shows in 08 when they were here for bonnaroo that's right nashville yep yeah and they all came out and signed there was like 150 people in that alley but very cool kirk hammett didn't sign but the other three came out and signed for everybody and i went up to james and i said james i don't know if you remember me or not but i was kid rock bus driver you probably remember my dad he was a steel player and he was like yeah he goes the last time i saw your dad he was driving a bus for dr dre and i was like yes he t- so james and my dad hung out i was like yeah exactly i couldn't believe it that is so cool yeah it, it was and that's the last time i've seen james i haven't seen him in person since but what a story see, lars, if you, lars usually always remembers me when i get to jog his memory he'll be oh yeah the fucking kid rock plus yeah <laughs> good impersonation by the way that's very yeah, good oh yeah i do him i do him you know like lawn friend had him pretty good i i do him uh pretty good i've I, when I drove Megadeth, they made me do it for Dave, and I was a nervous wreck about that. I did, I was like, I, was like, I did it, but I was like, just to piss off you know, Dave. Dave, I'm so fucking ready to just go back out and rock again. You know, <laughs> I want to fucking bring back Arena Rock. And Dave was like, Oh my god, you got that dude down good. <laughs> you done well. Hey, if if Dave praised a Lars impersonation, you did, you you done well, man. Yeah, he, he was very nice to me. I, I drove him God, for two years on Dystopia tour. Oh, cool. He, Dave was always very nice to me. We and saw I, them on that tour. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, what, what city? I was probably there. 
Minneapolis at the Myth. At the Myth, yeah, and we did. The, didn't we do Roy Wilkins too? Oh, many times. We did Roy Wilkins with Metal Church and uh, yep. uh, many Suicidal times. Tendencies and Monomarth. And the Myth, we were there like the day after Slayer, weren't we? Because I found a Slayer set list in the mud, like on the ground, and I was like, "Oh shit, Slayer still closes with Angel of Death." That's so freaking awesome. There you go. They packed in way too many people at that concert. <laughs> That was uh, fucking Megadeth a sweat box. Megadeth at the Myth. At the Myth, there was way too many people there. That was kind of small for us because we were in pretty much bigger halls, arenas, pretty much everywhere else on that tour. Yeah. Jeff, Jeremy is a guest we need to have back for part two. You agree? I agree. So, Jeremy, when we have you back for part two, we yeah. want you to, okay. to have 500 pages of notes of every artist you've ever driven with stories, and then we'll just give you the mic and you can just take off with your stories. <laughs> oh, man. Awesome, guys. <laughs> It's been a great conversation, man. Uh, dude, thanks so much for reaching out. Thanks for coming on a podcast for all. Yeah, man. Thank, thank you guys for having me. Like I said, we, this could go on for hours. I just love talking Talica and. Uh, oh, it's great. Yeah, it, it's been awesome. And we get the vote on the Flying J versus Bucky's. It doesn't get any cooler than that for an Instagram poll, everyone. Write that one there down. You go. That's I, an F first. <laughs> truck stop yeah. poll. Yeah. <laughs> Next week on in voting for all, your favorite truck stop food, Jeff. Oh, man, that's actually, I'd have to think about that. That would take some thought after the hundreds of thousands of miles we've eaten on the road. Hey, I actually don't (laughs) mind a truck stop tuna salad sandwich, and that's one of the scariest things people can say you could eat, but I ain't scared. Ooh, that sounds dangerous. I'm not scared. We ate the the gas station sushi. I mean, what's the worst that could happen? I I was really, (laughs) funny thing, I was was drunk on tour one night. We jump off off the bus. And I wanted some food and I tried to get gas station sushi and my bass player. And he's listening to this episode right now. He stopped me from buying that gas station sushi. Probably saved me from getting worms. <laughs> oh, geez. Sign of a true friend. Thanks, Pizzle. Oh, and I was but going I to. I your Clark Griswold line. I- I'm so hungry. I could eat a sandwich from a gas, <laughs> from a gas station. Yes, he knew it. He knew it. <laughs> we say that. Oh, I knew it. Oh, we yeah, say yeah, that Clark, so much, Jeremy. Outside of Metallica, I do have a, a love of uh, great movies like uh, anything. Oh. Clark Griswold, all the vacation films. Oh, Anytime Jeff and I would step off the bus, we would say that line no matter how many times during the day. <laughs> Rusty, up and at him. Nice. Crack open those sandwiches I got at the gas station. I'm so hungry I can eat a sandwich from a gas station. <laughs> <laughs> the, the last tour we did on a bus, literally the whole entire tour, that movie stayed on loop on the on the tv literally yeah, just it never the turned whole off time. it never turned off and it, maybe it'd so go awesome. to the menu screen and we just as we'd walk by we'd hit Still play there. and it, it would we'd just, just be playing <laughs> hey do you remember the the scene where he's trying to find the gas where you put the gas in and he rips the license, it license plate, plate off, off yeah. yeah and the tanks actually up by the engine have y'all ever been to the little america out there in flagstaff arizona I can't. It doesn't say, ring a bell. We've yeah. driven through Flagstaff. <laughs> We've driven through Flagstaff, but that doesn't ring a bell. Why? Uh, well, that's where he did. That's where they filmed that scene where he ripped that off. And so every time you fill up the Prevo with nine hundred dollars of diesel, you rip off the plate. Yeah, right where Clark. <laughs> I fill it and I go. This is right where Clark Griswold <laughs> fueled up the family truckster. Honey, can you check the mileage? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I also went to the pool where Christy Brinkley, you know, jumped in. Oh, That's out yes. in uh, in Norwalk, California. <laughs> That's a bucket Jeff, we need to get in that pool. Think. Yeah, exactly. This, this is crazy. crazy. This is crazy. This is crazy. This is crazy. This is crazy. <laughs> this is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
crazy. This is crazy. This is crazy. I'm in deep. This whole episode has been crazy. Jeremy, again, thanks so much, man. Season 7, episode 11. Hey, you guys are awesome. Thanks. Jeff, yeah, maybe we just need to hire Jeremy for our for our next driver. I was thinking, you know, the next Let's do it. next big run we do, maybe we should hit him up and see if he's God, booked or not. Fun. That would be yeah, fun. Yeah, let's roll. Oh, Jeremy, we'd have a blast. I'm ready to go fucking, you know, shake shit up and bring back Arena Rock, Jeff. Come on, <laughs> shake it. Fuck with it, man. As long as Jeff makes you pull over to get his vibrator out on the side of the road, we have a deal. <laughs> Don't worry. I'll come I'll come in at, you know, just early morning and tell you to to, to pull over. The whole convoy. Grab that kind of stuff before we roll, boys. Come on. <laughs> hey, and you know, you know, Jeremy, you don't have to worry. With us, it'd be super easy. Just one bus. That's all you need. One bus, one trailer. Yeah. Hell of a good tribute tour, man. We'd have a lot of fucking fun. We would have nice because one of the bands I work for now, we have nine buses. Ooh, that sounds like a convoy and a private jet. So, all yeah, right, so we're we gonna end this call now, and then you're gonna yep. tell us who that is. Exactly, I will. All right, Jeremy, keep in touch. Jeff, I will talk to you next week. Season 7, Episode 11. Jeremy, thank you so much. Hey, you guys are awesome. Thanks for having me, guys. I look forward to Part 2. We'll see you soon. All right. God bless y'all. See ya. On a long, lonesome highway East of Omaha You can listen to the engines Moaning out his one old song You think about the woman Your thoughts will soon be wandering The way they always do When you're riding 16 hours There's nothing much to do And you don't feel much like riding You just wish the trip was through
day's last cigarette, remembering what she said.